One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gary gets here, walks across the dead ball line, now sprints back for Manly. Up he goes, changes direction. This is rugby league, folks. Have a look at it. Links up with Terry Evans. And still on for Manley. Away from Hess. Kicks in field. Look who's there. Tom for I'm happy with that. Big chase there. My goodness. That one's for you, Desi Craig. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. God yeah. bless you. Isn't that an absolute masterpiece from uh from what's that from Vossi. Yeah, Vossi, if you're out there listening, thank you for that call. It just it seriously made my week. It made my year, nay. <laughs> what a way to wrap up the Supercoach season and regular NRL season by Vossi Masterclass, Tommy Turbo scoring after the siren to break the record. You just can't you can't uh, ask for much more other than a Manly premiership. <laughs> Not asking for too much there. Uh, guys, welcome to the final SC Playbook podcast of the season. I am your host, Tim Williams. Uh, joining me is that man, of course, the 2019 NRL Supercats champion, Desi Creek. Desi, the year's wrapped up, mate. How are you? Yeah, uh, ended up coming 1,269th overall. So it's it's a solid rank. Not as good as you boys, but yeah, I just made some bad captaincy decisions over and over, which probably just cost me... I think I worked out like 700, 800 points across the season. Just some of those weeks where I captained Brian Toho for 32 and Cleary went 225 is just, you know, if I, if I'd copied Spies captains the whole seasons, I probably, I probably would have ended the same rank as him. But yeah, I literally just couldn't escape that 1000 to 2000 rank. It felt like the entire season. Mm. And I actually did a little fact checked uh, before the, uh, before the podcast today and worked out out of 25 rounds I was ranked in between a thousandth and two thousandth take a guess boys how many times I was ranked well what do you got 15 rounds spot on hit the nail on the head 15, 15 rounds 60% 60% of the season I was sitting in between a thousandth and two thousandth so Far yeah out. no wonder there wasn't much movement <laughs> it was consistent, put it that way. But yeah, oh god, uh, yeah, stoked to finish in the top league. So yeah, it's a massive achievement. We should all be pretty proud of that. But yeah, for sure, mate. Now twelve hundred is a good finish overall, anyway, and uh, a very respectable one for you. A bloke with enormous uh, kick in his step, I suppose you'd call it, is the Supercoach spy who flew the flag proudly for the SC Playbook crew this season. Uh, he was our top-ranked finisher. Spy, how are you? And uh, tell the audience what you finished up. G'day, boys. Yeah, exciting exciting end of the year and a pretty bloody decent year overall, I must say. 
ended up 95th, hit the top 100, which I've been targeting for the last month or so. It's absolutely stoked on that. Took out my previous best finish of about 140 odd, um, and now I can say I've got that top hungy under the belt. We have to go for top 10 or top one next year, but uh, very happy, boys. It was, it was nice to get that update on Monday and see I snuck in there uh, and just tick that one off for the year. Also, just on the, on the punting plays of the year, the best bet of the year would have been live betting as Cherry Evans ran down the sideline and put your whole mortgage on the fact that Tom Trevojevic was 100% going to be on the end of that grubber because <laughs> he was out of screen and you just knew it. He's the best support <laughs> player ever. <laughs> so good. Oh, very enjoyable. It was absurd, wasn't it? Spy, it must have been nice to get the monkey off the back for you. One of the most consistent super coach players I know with with a, a mountain's worth of 200, 300, 400, 500 place finishes. Uh, but the top 100 off the back now must be stoked. I really am. It's good to have it. I've penciled that in now. And as as I said before, I can have a, have a crack again now at... Uh, well, top 10's got to be the next target, I think. And then, you know, we're all, we all aim for number one, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, good stuff, mate. As for the Kuma Stallions, uh, a decent finish to the season. The, the depth strategy paid off in the long run to finish 433rd overall. Uh, so hard to be unhappy with that one. A, a pretty solid year overall and uh, happy with that. Uh, you touched on it before, Desi, but the SC Playbook in-house league, our own head-to-head league with the 10 of us in it, of our contributors, Matty Ryan, Adam Derusi, Steve Fish and co, Nick Moon, whoever else I've missed there. Uh, first, ranked first out of 17,000 leagues, came home like Chautauqua in the third, TJ Smith, over the top uh, to finish first, mate. Stoked with that one as well. Yep, uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> I put out in t- on uh, on Twitter that I think I'm the first to do the back-to-back of winning overall and now winning top league. So, yeah, uh, down in the history books, call me the GOAT if you want. <laughs> Self, Des, self-proclaimed. <laughs> self-proclaimed GOAT. <laughs> that never works. And I know, yeah. I, know you're just, I know you're just stirring the pot, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> De- Desi and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, two goats within their own right. <laughs> Throw Fergie, Fergie into that mix as well. Uh, Spy, mate, to cap a good year, good to be in the top league, mate. We're, we're all very excited about it. Oh, brilliant. Like, that's super exciting. It's not something you think about too much, and then it got towards the end, and we're like, oh, we better have a crack at this, because obviously number one would be lovely. And, yeah, we managed to, managed to cap it off Monday morning with it when updates came through. So, you beauty boys, well done. Guys, our SC Playbook Unlimited Group winner was the the overall Supergrade champion, Tim Moody. So Timmy Moody was in first, Warwick Kingston in second, Barry Morby in third, all SC Playbook subscribers. Timmy being the legend that he is one of the most deserving Supergrade winners uh, in recent memory, far more so than Desi Creek. Just kidding, mate. Timmy actually donated his portion of the SC Playbook Unlimited prize to Barry in third. The prizes were for first and second. Uh, so very selfless of him. Uh, a little bit of news for Timmy. Unfortunately, his sister found out quite recently that she was battling a breast cancer um, issue, and I think she may have been having surgery today. Uh, Timmy, being the selfless bloke that he is, has actually donated, I think the majority of, not donated, will be using a, a large portion of that money that he won in the overall Supercoach, the 50K there, uh, to put towards his sister's cancer fight. So, mate, we wish you and the family the best of luck with that battle uh, there is a, a GoFundMe type set up for that if you do want to contribute to that. I'll whack that in the link in uh, the article holding the podcast this week. So if you wanted to jump in, there'll be a, an opportunity to do that as well. 
on today's show, the final episode of the Supercoach season, of course. Uh, we'll do a bit of a season recap, look at our the rights and wrongs that we made, our best and worst trades, how we thought the game changed this season and looking a little bit towards next season, the things that we learnt, uh, and then we'll cap it off with the Supercoach Awards and name our team of the year or our, our voting for each position, as well as the viewer votes that went up on the website earlier in the week. Desi, I'll start with you, mate. What went right for you this season? What went wrong? The best, worst trade you did. Uh, just a little summary of your year for us. Yeah, I mean, you drilled it into me the whole season, Timmy. Depth, depth, depth. So, uh, you know, I guess depth in the right positions towards the back end of the season was what went right for me because I didn't really have any trades left to deal with the carnage, but I somehow still went up ranks each week with no trades. So I was low-key yeah, filthy I, about that. Yeah, I just got lucky <laughs> in that respect, I, I guess. I was waiting for your wheels to fall off, and you just stayed up there, and I'm like, far out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did have to deal with bloody Lodge and, you know, CHN, all these guys getting suspended as well, who would have played. But, yeah, I mean, what went wrong was captains for sure. Um, just trying to get too fancy when it was obvious that it was turbo set and forget, but... Yeah, it's really hard to captain him as a Manly fan sometimes just because you don't want to jinx him, you know? Um, best trade, undoubtedly, Isaiah Papali'i got on him instantly, well before anyone else when he was around 400k, and mm-hmm. I held him to the very end and watched him absolutely obliterate over and over until you boys eventually had to bring him in for overs for premiums desi you were you were one of the few people in supercoach who actually got any value out of papali because um the masses jumped on after sort of five six seven weeks of dominating and as i said it was only those people in the the sort of first four or five weeks of his domination that actually were rewarded for those points weren't they yeah yeah i think credit to tim moody as well i think he he took my advice on the ipap trade and got in him got on him relatively early as well so good on him um but yeah, worst trade would be Nofaluma. Uh, what a fall from grace he had, really. Um, I just think the Tigers went about it the whole the whole season the wrong way. Uh, they had some ball hogs inside him, um, just weren't utilizing him as much as they normally do. And he's one of their best attacking assets, and you know tackle busts were down. Um, but yeah, that's just super coach. You can't win them all. Um, I'm sure Nofo will bounce back next year, but yeah. He's definitely the worst trade for me. Mm. Fair enough, mate. A spy, what did you make of your year? Obviously, a good one and a very good finish there. Uh, what went right? What went wrong? Um, now that the goats self-reclaimed, finished stalking, it's good to have a yarn. Uh, it just quietly, <laughs> though, Desi, I know you self-reclaimed, but in fairness, anyone who's won the title, which is how many titles are there now? It's probably eight or nine, I'm not sure, but everyone's got a single title. So, in fact, everyone's got a shout for the GOAT. So, there'll have to be maybe a debate in the off-season about that. And who can get to number two (laughs) fastest would be huge. Uh, In terms of my own season, what went right? I've jotted a few things down. Jumped on Jerome Luai from round one, I believe it was. I just really liked what he did at the back end of the previous season. Thought he'd roll on, and he did. Uh, And then I managed to get rid of him not long after he hit the skids as well. So, that was nice. Uh, Getting in Adam Adui was fantastic. He averaged, I think he averaged over 100 for me, to be honest, in about the six or seven weeks I played him. I managed to drop him for his poor period in the centres and then got him back the first week. He went to 5'8". I think he got about 150 as well. Started with David Fafida. My philosophy there, and it's something I tried to do more of this year, is just backing talent 
and to a degree youth. If I think if I think someone's a young gun in fantasy sport and has the potential to explode on the arena like in real life, you'd hope that translates, and it certainly did with Fafita. More things there were I had Teddy in and out three times this year, but I generally had him when he did really, really well. So Teddy was awesome again for me. Uh, the great man. Consistency of skippers, opposite to Desi. I didn't always nail the monsters, but I always had a ton nearly, uh, and I think that sort of added up over the course of the year just to be really handy. Uh, there's a couple of wrongs down here which were uh, looping issues early in the season. I'll get to in a minute. Um, outside of that, saving <laughs> trades. Saving trades. No super major injuries early in games this year, which is always nice. We always got injuries, but no real daggers. Um I started strong in the centres this year. I've never really done it. And a few people are like, oh, I don't know, it might be too expensive. And I just backed myself in and it really did pay off. It just, I'm going to do it, be doing that moving forward, I think, and especially with the new rules. So that was nice. And up and forked downs, out a little bit more at your, you, you forked out a little bit more at your CT dub to start the season. Exactly. So rather than starting with a couple of cheaper guys, I just went with guys I thought were, were quite handy. And yeah, just, just forked out a bit more and, and sacrificed a little bit more in the forwards, which paid out nicely. Um, I've got a note on Charlie Staines here. He started horrifically for everyone, but I did manage to sit him a few weeks, four or five rounds in, and then play him for, I think he got a 90 and maybe 105 or something one game. And I had him for both of them. So I'm still a Charlie Staines fan, unlike nearly everyone else in Supercoach, purely <laughs> because of that. Uh, that was huge and just made me feel better about life as well. Uh, I've never been probably happier all year than when Charlie Staines crushed over in the right corner and was in my side, to be honest. <laughs> Jeez, it was good. Uh, things that went wrong. We've got a list of five here. First one, the ultimate dagger. and it's why I'm so anti-loophole and taking your vice-captain score. A vice-captain when Pappenhausen had the dogs on a sad day over on about round four or five, and he promptly scored 197, including four tries in like 12 minutes in the first half. Uh, so the fact he only got 197 was probably lucky, to be honest. I went, I held off one week, Tommy Drojevic in round 10. He was playing the Warriors Sunday afternoon. I was still terrified of that hammy or getting injured, he promptly whacked out 191. That hurt. Uh, I stuffed up my bye week skipper. Plenty of people on Twitter know about that, but I made a mistake by leaving it on Tom Trevojevic from the week before after reverse trading, and it meant I got stuck with Garrick's 50 in the round 17 bye. Absolute dagger, because Cody Walker scored 130 the next night, and, would have oh. been, and he, 100% I would have had him. Like There's no questions asked. What it did do, though, it forced me into a, a, a change of plan. I basically, for my mental health, not seriously in that sense, but I was pretty cranky. It was, I'm going to do something different to what I'd already planned and try and get these points back by doing something that I never would have done. And I think, I haven't gone through the ins and outs, but I think I might have landed in front from doing that. I basically took a centre over a forward. I think the forward might have got suspended a few weeks later. The centre scored a tonne not long later on a week I was pretty short, and I think I made it up. So hail the supercoach gods on that one. All happening. <laughs> and finally, I've got two more quick ones. It's a full recap of the year here. A week before Karen's 130, I was chatting to you, Timo, on the phone. I'd already brought in eight king because I was on baby duties that night, and there was an hour till kickoff. And then when teams came out for 24 hours, I realised I actually had 
17. It was one of them really tricky weeks, maybe round 18 or 19. And I said to you, I really want to get Curran in and reverse Aitken, but I don't know if it's going to make me use my second trade or reverse it back to two. Everyone on Twitter assured me it would definitely work, but I just did not have the balls to do this in case it used my second <laughs> trade. So I left it. I just couldn't do it. I left it, and Karen scored 130 the next weekend. And admittedly, Aitken went pretty good until his injury in the last round. But if, if I couldn't have that 130, oh, would have been nice. And finally, boys, selling Hines three weeks early um, because the CEO of Melbourne said Pappenhausen looked very likely for the post-buy week, and he didn't return for about three weeks after Hines went bang, bang, 170, 120. That hurt. But that's a pretty good recap of the highs oh. and lows of 2021. Oh, that's a good, very good recap, mate. That Melbourne CEO one, you, you can only take him for so much of their word, can't you? But oh, anyway, a good season nonetheless, mate. Um, just a little, very quick kind of mind. A couple of my better ones, a few under the radar ones, Teague Wilton and Ben Condon. Uh, I rate them as a couple of my better trades only because I didn't have to play them every week on a couple of their lower weeks. But Teague Wilton, when he went into that big sort of 80-minute roll at the Sharks pretty early in the year, not many jumped on and earned about 200-odd K out of them too. Uh, I jumped on Torhu Harris, Alex Johnston, Nico Hines very early and got most of their sort of big scores before the masses jumped on. I uh, also got CHN at v- absolute bottom dollar as well. So when everyone else jumped on at over 500k, I'd sort of made the most of him. A couple of the worst ones, I won't get into the injury-related ones because we all have those. Uh, although Katoni Staggs has burnt me for the second season in a row pretty heavily. Um Desi, I had I didn't even remember doing this. This is how bad this trade was, but I traded Daniel Alvaro into my team in round two. How about that? Alvaro. Alvaro. There was a time apparently when Daniel Alvaro was an option. That feels like about six years ago, but yeah. He was he was playing decent minutes for a couple of weeks at the Dragons. I think he had a negative fifty or something break even. So I bit the bullet and got him in, and I'm pretty sure I traded him out the following week because it was my only avenue to another gun. So that one, Ooh. that's just embarrassing to be honest. Yeah, like, that's like, yeah. That's why my dad traded in uh, Toby Rudolph. Oh, that's, that's, it's on toast. that sort of level. He traded him in yeah. uh, <laughs> in Rudolph for the for the uh, Sharks buy round. So yeah. Yeah, with that sort of trade, the um, that's embarrassing is the only way to to describe that one. Junior Paulo started the season with a bunch of attacking stats. I thought they might semi keep up, not all of them, but uh, history tells and front rowers do not continue to amass attacking stats. And that was probably a bit of a rookie error on my behalf. Just flatlined and was punching at forties after that shocking trade. Spencer Lenu just never got minutes in that stacked Panthers pack. Um, well, one of my worst ones was. Dane Gagai, who I think was one of the most underappreciated players of the year, Supercoach twice, was a weapon. I went him the week before uh, Origin 3, the big bye week there, instead of Ruben Garrick. Uh, and basically that cost me probably a top 100 spot because as good as Gagai was, I was very late to the Garrick party and that sort of defined my season. And then just the one that Desi touched on earlier, but like most of us, was I was a little bit too late on IPAP early in the season and missed his big run of big scores. Uh, so that were the big ones for me. Desi, in terms of the game changing this season, and I mean the Supercoach game, it's one of the most unique seasons we've ever seen between injuries, you know, the mass restings at the end of the season, the impact of HIAs and the crackdown on on head knocks uh, and suspensions in that regard. 
you throw into it the speed of the NRL this season, um, the massive amounts of points scored, the six again rule that impacted, you know, these 50, 60 point score lines. How did you see Supercoach change as a result of it? And the fact that Tommy Turbo averaged about 140, Nathan Cleary's about 110 or 120. I mean, that sort of shows what a uni- unique year it was. Yeah, I think you've just about covered everything. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's obvious. There's just, yeah, more blowout scores. Realistically, only, oh, I mean, I guess you'd say six teams in it, probably only four teams in it. And they're all just obliterating the other 10, 12 teams in the comp every single week, which leads to absolutely mental scores for the likes of Cleary, Turbo, Teddy, Puffs, Hines. The list goes on. Um, you just got to go for the high ceilings. It's once teams get momentum and fuel position, it's it's basically impossible for the other teams to you know put up any sort of fight. There's no arm wrestle anymore, which is which I think is just like one of the things that makes NRL great to watch. Sometimes those arm wrestle games, but you just don't see it anymore. And yeah, <laughs> as fun as fun as it is seeing Turbo dice up the Cowboys for two hundred and thirty, uh, sometimes you just want to see a hard-fought battle, which, you know, we just weren't seeing too many too many games like that this season. Spy, five, six years ago in Supercoach, the staple of a good team was a good back row, wasn't it? A good back row to a slightly less degree, a good front row, with these guys with big base stats, big work rates. Um, the last two years, and in particular this year, the front and back row have almost become redundant, haven't they? <clears throat> it was a time where... Um, the, the scoring's tweaked over the years, but I don't think that's the major issue. It hasn't tweaked too much in recent years at all, really. Uh, there was a time where center wings were the the volat- was the most volatile position, and you know they'd get a ton every maybe one or two tons a season of center wing, but in between that they had tens and twenties and thirties, and they were just too unreliable. That has just flipped on its head this year, hasn't it? And the front row, second row were effectively redundant. Not completely second row, but uh, it was just it flipped on its head, wasn't it? Massively, mate. The the days of Simon Mannering being a straight-up selection in your forward pack have changed. Now it's just a case of getting guys who can just do a job for you. They might be mid-range value. You might get a few cheapies in. But if it means you can afford to bring in, say, next year, Cleary and Trevojevic at their prices and just fill your front row and potentially your whole back row nearly with guys who can maybe just average your 55, 60. If Cleary and Turbo can make up the other 10 and many, many more, that's what you can sort of look at these days. Obviously, we'll look at that way more looking into next season. And the other question to ask, boys, would be, and you don't have to answer it now, but we'll look at it again, is how much is the game going to revert back next year? We saw signs of it in the last three or four weeks where six agains had been wound back a little bit. We saw a few more contests. Didn't seem to worry Tommy Trevojevic on Saturday because if you have a look at the six agains, I don't think there were many. It was pretty. It was refereed pretty much like an old-style game, but he's just too damn good. But, yeah, heading into next season, you've got to have a big look at just chasing those upside guys, the guys that you're scared to watch, the guys that can really hurt you. You can't really afford to be getting betting against them, especially if they're highly owned. Someone like Garrick this year, Timo, which, as you said, was one of your big mistakes, and it could have paid off, but the facts were he burnt you so bad because he was highly owned and he had the capability of scoring 150-plus on any night. That's sort of where we're at now. Centers that aren't necessarily superstar players, essentially, but they can go massive in the right team and situation. So it actually reminds me of one of Desi's quotes. I don't know if you remember this, Desi, but when we first met up for a beer, you said something to me, and I've taken it on board ever since. It was, 
pick the guys who you're scared to watch if you don't own them. Like That is a good mm. motto. The guys where you go, oh, Jesus, this is a tough watch, that probably means they should be in your side, and I love that. Mm. It says it all, doesn't it? Desi, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, and, and it was our next sort of question that we've sort of touched on already, but I mean, what did you learn from this season that I suppose you'll take into next season, future Supercoach seasons? The big one we know is it's just chasing the big ceilings, isn't it? And I, I like that the spy touched on um, these big ceiling players like your Ruben Garricks, like your Alex Johnstons, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a case now of in the past where, you know, you might not own a popular player who gets his 130 or his 140 or his 150 and it can burn you for that one week. You know, with we saw this season, you know, players would go 150 plus in consecutive weeks or, you know, two out of three weeks, three out of four weeks, and then their price would just skyrocket and you couldn't afford them. I think of Nico Hines and, and I think of Ruben Garrick that people eventually had to use half their salary cap to get them in at $900,000. Desi, what did you take from the season? Yeah, well, you, you asked this question at the end of last season and my answer was, I learned that you never take James Tedesco out of your team ever again. And I think (laughs) I'm going to change my mind and say you never take Tommy Turbo out of your team ever again. That's the takeaway. Um, He's he's a set-and-forget captaincy choice um, coming into next season. Um, Hopefully he's not down at Manly Corso uh, (laughs) doing some sprints. But, yeah, even if he is, you just get him in. and But, yeah, you you just got to pay the big bucks for those best in position players, um, even Desi, if the mate, price tag is ridiculous. Desi, I'm personally willing to go down to the Manly Corso all summer and drink beers and just keep on turbo watch just to make sure he <laughs> doesn't do anything silly. Ah, uh, wait. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, like you said, Timmy, uh, Ruben Garrick, he was the prime example this year. He, he was outrageously priced, but, you know, it, it, he was just that many standard deviations. Him, him and Brian Toho. There were that many standard deviations above the rest of the players in that position, uh, which means that you just simply have to fork out the money. Even if the price tag is just you're paying huge overs, um, you just have to you just have to pay it because you're not going to be competitive if you, if you don't have those guys in your team. Even if it causes a massive reshuffle elsewhere, you have to get those high ceiling guys in. So that's that's the main lesson. Just identify the best players in the the best uh the best in position players as early as possible and get them in ace up even if you're paying overpriced for them. Mm. Yeah, but it's gonna be very interesting starting next season with with Tommy Turbo priced at over a million. Nathan Cleary might be similar trying to fit these guys in. It'll be interesting to see if uh this at over at Supercoach HQ, if they do alter the salary cap the pricing system, if they do change anything, if they alter the point system, I'm not sure. We'll wait and see. Um, Spy, did you have anything to add uh, in terms of what you learned this season or have you been through it? I was wanted to add, boys, and especially with the rule changes happening so frequently over the last two years, you have to be willing to evolve and adapt. Keep an eye out of what's happening. Like you did it this year, Tim. You said it was your mistake not getting Garrick. Garrick, but in the past it would have been easy just to say, no, nah, I'm just anti-potting is what it is, but you identified that this is, it's a new world this year in 2021 and you just couldn't go without him, so you did pay those overs to get him in and it set you up for a strong finish to the season. 
uh, you can't be you can't be too stubborn these days. But yeah, just evolving and adapting. And if things revert back a little bit next year, you might have a look at those massively owned, uh, sorry, really high priced guys and say, okay, maybe they are overpriced. Or conversely, it might just continue on uh, the way it is and it'll be worth worth their weight in gold. Yeah, and I mean the big thing, which I think it probably goes without saying now that we've realised it, and we probably say this most seasons, but we fail to do it anyway because we're we're too trigger happy on the trades. But I just think if, if the game doesn't change between now and next season, rule wise, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, draw, which we probably don't expect it to change too significantly, saving trades, it's just so so important, and more so than any other year. And just the other thing, which is an approach I know sort of you and me spy took, which I've spoken about often, but. It's just keeping as close to 25 active players in your squad as you can so that not only do you have room to cover at the end of the season and hopefully keep a full 17 on the field, but you can cover those post-buy rounds, the real difficult, awkward rounds coming coming after the origin rounds when players get rested. Um, it, it's just it's so, so vital and having a quality there. Even if you have to forego maybe a big price play in the meantime to get a bit of a cash grab, I think it's vital. One thing I did really enjoy this year, which was different to, I think, any re- season in recent memory, Spy, was just unique players in teams by the end of the season. It's so often that we see come round 25 of the Supercoach season and teams are just near identical. You've got, you're have got you playing a head-to-head grand final and you've got two or three players different. This time, well, I saw a lot of grand finals and head-to-head matchups where there was 10, 12, 13 different players, unique players in squads, which makes the, the whole game so much more exciting, doesn't it? It's a great point, mate. I, I played uh, Supercoach Brew in the top sport, maybe the quarterfinal or whatever it was. In overall, we finished something like six points apart for the whole season, but we had about 12 unique players in our contest. It was awesome. That's like unheard of. So that just makes things so exciting. It means you're not playing a head-to-head weekend match where you've only got two players really to look at. So I absolutely love that. Just on your mention of depth there as well, that's something we always look to do was nuff out early and get a good 18 or 19, but you can't do it these days, it appears. And that's also a reason, like, I don't like using the vice captaincy loophole too much these days, given the the high scores of the superstars in Supercoach. And it always worried me having extra players that you'd be stuck with that bloke is going to get you a 20 or a 25, so you can't loop. But given what Turbo and the guns are doing, it does make it a little easier just to have that depth and not worry too much about the loophole. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you look at guys like Stefano Utakamano, who people held. I know Desi held him right to the end of the season. Most people sold. Uh, I know Timmy, who won overall, had Utakamano to the end. He's a perfect example of just being a fit, active player who I know he's a bit of a unique case in that he was a, a, a maturing rookie who sort of found his feet and came into more minutes in the end of the year. But he became such a vital aspect of many teams in the back end of the year. Sean Bloor, to a far lesser degree, he got a little bit lucky, but in the same mould was getting those 80-minute games towards the back end of the year and some decent scores. Just holding on to guys like this, not wasting trades and taking them points at the end of the year when we need them. Uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting one to note. And again, we'll look into it again going into the 22 season. Guys, a massive, massive thank you to Quantum for their massive support of us uh, as a sponsor for the SC Playbook podcast this season. 
They're Australia's premier data science and artificial intelligence company. If you're interested in a career fueled by game-changing analytics, break away from the pack by joining the Quantum team today. Hit us up for details if you feel like you might be interested in that. Boys, just quickly, we won't go into punting plays this week, but the top sport leaderboard for the season, uh, I was actually watching the game with the spy over Zoom on the Sunday afternoon, and he needed the Warriors to tell the Titans to go into top spot. He didn't, fortunately for me. Finished on top with a profit of $55 for the season. Desi was down 11 The spy was down $19.50. What do you got to say about that, spy? Cranky, that's all. Move on, please. <laughs> no, well done, mate. Uh, it was actually a good finish because, as you said, if the Warriors would have won, it would have steamed to the top. But uh, from the get-go, they were never in that contest. So there wasn't too much to get excited about. Boys, let's run through our Supercoach Awards for the 2021 season. We're going to go through each position. Uh, I'll also reveal you to the fan vote and who topped that one as well from the website. Uh, and an easy one to start with, but he's worth talking about anyway, boys. Desi, it's your man, Tommy Trebojevic who, in terms of the fan vote, unsurprisingly, got 100% of the votes in that position. Three double tons for the season. He had six of the top 10 scores of the season, I think it was, or around about that. Um, mate, incredible, wasn't it? Outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, yeah. Now you know why my team name's Turbo Over. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it, it was just something else this year. He he just he looked like he was playing against under-sixes, especially that... Uh, that solo try he had to top the season off. That's exactly what he needed. You know, like Hayne and Barber and, and those guys had those individual tries to cap off their, you know, miracle seasons. But Turbo with that nine tackle busting run, my God, that was something else. And Vossi was just creaming his pants commentating. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Turbo, I don't think we'll see a season like this again. That, that Tommy Turbo try where he had nine tackle busts or whatever it was, where he just scanned across field looking for a hole, looking for a hole. There was, I think, two or three blokes on him at one time and they just fell off him. He somehow found the line. It was just so, so reminiscent of Jared Hayne in 2009 against the Dragons. It was really late in the season as well. And just like it just typified the season that was for Hayne for what was for Tommy Trebojevic. I think those tries were so similar and it was just freaking outstanding to watch. Boys, centre wing, uh, this is a pretty tough position because there are some big names who went really well here. One of the tougher positions to pick, in my opinion. Spy, I'll start with you. Uh, Who got your vote? Boys, this was definitely the toughest one to pick and I'm going to do a bit of reasoning here. I've got three nominees. It's Brian To'o, Ruben Garrick and Hines from Melbourne, the big dog. Uh, what I was going to say was, I think Garrick shades Toto just on probably longevity. He was fit throughout the back end of the season, and he had a couple of monster totals, like a nearly a two hundred in there. However, I'm going to say Nico Hines was the centre of the year. If you managed to trading him, trading him in, in at the start of your run, his run, and then trade him out when he went back to the bench because he averaged over a hundred when he started. Nico Hines, starting full back, centre and super coach, over 100, gets the gets the award for me. Mm. Desi, who do you have, mate? I think you know. I think you know. He's 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 pulled off the greatest, uh, you know, the most points in a season ever. So it has to be Ruben Garrick. If you're not going Garrick, you you're mad, spy. Yeah, I know, but for, for a bit of entertainment, we can't, just pick, all time. We, we can't just pick all the same players, so I'm throwing in Nico, my boy, there. So, so you're agreeing, he, he was the best. 
<laughs> well, okay. So what's what's the criteria? No, this, this, this is open open ended. Is it best total, best average, or what is it? Because as I said, when Nico started, he, he averaged over hundred. Scored the second most points. Second most points uh, ever in a Supercoach season. Most points ever by a player in in the regular season. Probably going to be most points ever, including finals, if he beats Hazem. And he scored 199 in one game as a center wing. That's fine, I but don't did he? Think he's but did he average anytime soon? But did he average over 100 like Nico? Hmm. Yeah, but Nico is a fullback. I mean, you just you're just cheating. Not in super coaching, <laughs> is it? Well, this is the super coach awards, uh, mate. And you can only do what you can do when you start the game and play 80 minutes. So Nico Hines, but of course, Garrick was unbelievable. He was ridiculous. Who won on our poll, Timmy? Well, before we get to that, I'll give you my vote. And funnily enough, I gave it to Brian Toto. And I'll tell you why. This will this will surprise you, but we sit here and say, Garrick this, Garrick that. Garrick got 199. Garrick had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten tons this season. He had one, uh, one, two, three, three of them over 150, well over 150. Brian Toto only averaged four points less than him this season, which says a little bit. And I'm taking all things into consideration when I'm giving these awards. He averaged four less than Garrick. I'll give it to Garrick that he played the whole season. So that was, you know, you didn't have to trade him in or out of your side sort of thing, or only had to do it once. That's that's vital. And it's why they're so hard to split. But the one thing about Garrick is you couldn't really captain him all season because he was in the same team as Tommy Trebojevic as well. So I don't, I mean, some people might've captained him at some stage, but he wasn't really a, a captaincy option for me in that regard, Brian Toto, one score under 50 all season, might not have had those big tons, <laughs> but just for consistency all season, it's Toto for me, Desi. Yeah, yeah, that one score, that one score, yeah. And yeah, you captained him, Desi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers for reminding me, yeah. <laughs> so, boys, the, the voting went Ruben Garrick, 50%. Brian yeah, Toto, boy. Brian Toto, thirty-seven percent. Nico Hines, twelve percent. Uh, and I know what you're saying, Spy. For anyone who did manage to time the Nico run perfectly, uh, you could argue for them that he was their player of the year. So it's give or take each scenario. Boys, on to five eight. Who did you have there, Spy? I'm going to get contentious again. This is more around what I just said before. Obviously, Cody Walker is an absolute standout. But when Adam Dewey actually played 5-8 in the NRL, and if you owned him at those stages like I did, he averaged one more point per game with 85 than Cody's 84. So Adam Dewey, how could I not slip him in 5-8 of the year? Huge. That's a big call because you can't say just when he played 5-8 in the NRL because he was a, when he was centering the NRL, he was a 5-8 in Supercoach. Of course, but we're having a bit of fun here, end of season, so I'm sticking with AD, <laughs> even though Cody had one of the greatest 5-8 seasons of all time. So, yeah, he's obviously fine as a selection. Jazzy, who do you have, mate? Codes. Cody, Cody, Cody. Yeah, I had Cody as well. I think I owned Cody the entire season, and I think he started going nuts just before Origin 1, uh, and that's when everyone jumped on. So I didn't actually get that much value out of Cody, which really hurt me. However, didn't have to burn any trades on it. Uh Boys, we don't have to spend much time on it. Half back, Nathan. Oh, sorry, five eight from the fan vote. Cody eighty six percent. Adam Dewey thirteen percent. 
Spy at halfback from the fan vote, Nathan Cleary, 91%, rightfully so. DCE, 9%. Glad he got a little bit of a mention, but, mate, it was a pretty spectacular season, Spy, from Nathan Cleary. Certainly was. Sammy Walker, halfback of the year, hands down. Not joking. It was Cleary by a mile. He's outstanding. What, 110 or something? Absolute beast. And big shout-out to DCE, who, gee, finished strong. Boys, second row forward position. Uh, This one was pretty open as well. It could have gone to a few options and they were all pretty consistent, all pretty similar mould of super coach player, well, to a degree. Uh, I'll start with you, Desi. Who did you have there? There was a lot of really, really good contenders. Um, I had David Fafita. I mean, I know he scored a couple of 30s towards the end there coming off the bench, but realistically, he's just an absolute powerhouse. He's a beast. He's the best second row forward, uh, best edge row forward in the cob. He can uh, obliterate any defense at any time, um, and he can take about five defenders with him to the line. So, uh, yeah, it's David Fafita for, for me. But, yeah, Crichton and uh, those sort of players were not too far off him, but Fafita just just edges them. Spy, which way did you go? I went a bit more legit in my forward awards, and yeah, Fafita won an absolute mile, given who I've given the front row award to when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair shout, mate. I went with uh, Dave Fafita there as well. Uh, relatively split for our, our back row, although I know the Spies just touched on it there. Actually taking the top spot in the second row four position was Isaiah Papali'i with 45% of vote. Fifi took 36% of vote. Angus Crichton, 12%. And the ever-reliable Torhu Harris, 7%. Uh, into the front row forward position, Desi, which way did you go there? I pop, I pop. Yeah. He, he seemed the standout for me as well. Spy, who'd you go? Papali'i. I went Papali'i as well, and it seemed very obvious. Surprisingly, in the fan vote, Papali'i, 54%. Payne Haas, 43%, which uh, may be a little bit of recency bias that we come along very often in sport. Haas with a big finish to the year. Ipat with a quiet back end of the year. But Ipat for three quarters of the year, Spile, is just sensational. Do, do you put it down to recency bias? Because surely Haas not as good as Ipat in the front row. Mate, the listeners are on a bit of crack there, I must say, but that's okay. Recency buys for sure. However, IPAP did score 73 in his last game against Melbourne, so that's got something to something to say. But yeah, look, Payne finished strong, but apparently he won more. Hooker of the year, boys, Desi Creek. Uh, I've gone the cheese. I thought the cheese was bloody outstanding for most of the year. He, he just... Uh, you know, he had his attacking repertoire on song. He was scoring tries left, right, and center. Just, you know, it was all borderline unstoppable close to the line. It's like no defense could stop him from five meters out. He was just diving over for free, free points. And he only needed to play 50, 60 minutes, and he was averaging 70-odd. So, I mean, you had guys like uh, Braley and uh, um, Grant, obviously, at the back end of the season. But I just think the cheese through the... In- Entirety of the season was the man you could just set and forget there. Yeah, Jeez is reliable this year, the Cheese. Spy, were you with the Cheese also, or did you look elsewhere? Yeah, look, it's hard not to give my boy Harry Grant an award. Uh, he, was, he was still the best Supercoach player 
if he had it, if he was playing. But given his injuries and the consistency of Chase this year, Brandon Smith's got to get it. He just he was so good week to week. He didn't get hurt. It's exactly what you needed at Hooker, and I never owned him, which was certainly one of the big letdowns of twenty twenty one for me. We sit there and think, you know, it's clear cut Cheese number one, and and for many reasons he was, but. Despite Harry Grant having a stop-start season, he actually averaged six points per game more than Brandon Smith, which, I mean, Smith, who just had an incredible supercoach year, it says all you need to know about Harry Grant in the future when you're considering him in supercoach because he's a genuine freak. Uh, As far as the fans went, Smith, 81%. Harry Grant, 13%. Reid Marnie, 4% snuck in there and worth a shout because despite the injuries uh, in in the back end of the season, massive, massive year for Reid Marnie. Boys, that's our team of the year. Let's go on to a few extra awards. Desi, your cheapy of the year. Massive, heaps of contenders here. Yeah, I actually went Sammy Walker on this one. Um, you know, just because just he went on that absolute tear in the middle of the season, right when, you know, we all sort of needed him most. He, he cranked out a few huge tons. I think he even got 160 in one of those games. And it was right when, you know, a lot of people traded him in. Um so, yeah, I think Sammy Walker deserves that one. Spy, which way did you go? I've gone the same, boys. Um, it's probably a little bit of bias on my behalf because I do love him so much. But Sammy Walker was so reliable and he was a genuine cheap backup to Cleary. It was so hard to find cover for Cleary at sort of the money we'd already spent. So Sammy was just perfect. If you started with him as well, like a few of us did, you didn't even have to use a trade to get him in. And yeah, he went 125, followed by 163. Then he had 120 in there. 87 against Para was outstanding. Um, and obviously he, he only played like two minutes in the last match, but he had a good year. Closely followed though, boys, by Josh Curran, who is quickly developing into one of the best forwards in the game. He's he's a real competitor. He's he's skillful. He knows how to find the line. He's got an offload. Um, I hope the Warriors lock him into big minutes next year because he looks he looks really special. And he actually averaged slightly more than Sammy Walker across the whole season. Yeah, I went Sammy Walker as well. And the reason being, he averaged sixty point two points for the season. But I owned him for. The entire C. Uh, no, I think I brought him back in for that round 17 bye week against the Dogs, but the 62-point average is a little misleading because there were there were some clear-cut games that you could sit him for and not play him. And, I mean, the 29 against Melbourne in round 16 was one of them games. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head if his zero points in the final round was impacted his supercoach average. I haven't looked into that. Um, yeah, but did. there were a few games there that, yeah, you could easily – yeah. Yep, it, it dropped it, it from like nearly 66 to 62. There you go. So you take that out. You take the game out, sit him against the Storm. Uh, I think I sat him for the Panthers game where he got 33 there as well. That average looks a lot healthier in terms of the points that it contributed to your super great squad for the season or my one in this instance. But uh, So I think Sammy Walker for me, it could have gone to a few people though and that's reflected in the fan vote. We had Sammy Walker had 45%, Josh Curran 35%. Um, and Josh Schuster, 16% as well, who had he not been injured for that little, quite a big gap there, he could have been a lot higher percentage there. Boys, most improved. Uh, this one is however anyone wants to view it. It's a, a bit of a dubious one and could go anyway. Um, Desi, who was your most improved Supercoach player of the season? Well, considering he started absolutely terribly, I've got to give it to my man, Jason Saab. I mean... The Saab! He- 
Yeah, he 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 really did just improve, didn't he? He it he looked like he put on about uh, ten kilometers an hour faster as well. That last rundown, Jesus, um, the rundown on the hammer, and uh, I think it was I don't know. He he had two incredible rundowns that last game. Looked like he could beat Usain Bolt over the grass. Mm. But yeah, I I also thought he just improved defensively, like he was able to read the plays much better and even snag some inter- intercept tries against even Melbourne snagged an intercept try. But yeah, and also the 20-odd tries he scored. Don't forget that. So yeah, mm. <laughs> I think Saab, Saab has to get it for me. Yeah, imagine being the Dragons watching on as Ruben Garrick and Jason Saab carved up all season. Spy, who do you have? Going to go back and a forward. Uh, in the back line, Ruben Garrick. And in the forwards, Isaiah, Isaiah Papali. Yeah, like it. I went with Ruben Garrick as well. Uh, stacks of people this could have gone to, but just Garrick, he averaged 41 points per game last year. I know sort of manly improved. Tommy Turbo went nuts. Uh, the game changed and whatnot, but 41 last year, 88 this year. He more than doubled his average. Desi went over his numbers earlier. Had to be Ruben Garrick for me. He had 10 tonnes. Absurd. Um, fan voting. It was Nico Hines, 32%, Ruben Garrick, 28%, Isaiah Papali'i, 28%, Adam Dewey, 11%. All could have won that in their own right. Boys, who's your coach's award for the year? This is basically just a bit of a flyer, someone that might have taken your heart or done you done you a good thing here or there. Um, no real criteria to it. Desi, who'd you come up with? Uh, I'm going to go Jaden Braley. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, I was going to give it to my man, uh, Tiru, Tiru uh, Fuimaono, because I owned him the whole year. But then I realized, you know what? I also owned Connor Watson the whole year. And uh, yeah, he he had his ups and downs, but I just love the man. And I think he's going to be great at the Roosters next season. And uh, yeah, uh, he's he was uh, inhibited by Jaden Braley. Hey, you boys had your little bet many, many months ago now who would score more in the back end of the year between Braley and Watson. Did we work out who won that bet? I won it, mate. I won it. <laughs> but... Actually, Desi, actually, Desi you, you, avoided you, it with, you avoided it with four weeks left and said, let's just do the last four games. But if anyone sort of gets injured or rested or whatever, then we'll just avoid it. And Braley got rested the second last you week. Got yeah. the last week. You got away with it, You got away with it. That's not a loss on Jayden my Braley, resume, my he, he went to absolute mud. Yep, but he, he didn't lose me a thing. So, you and know I what? told you he would. You were right, though. You were right. I'll give you that. But it's it's not a loss on my record. So carry on. I'll I'll give you that too, Desi. Actually, you you did call early in the year that Braley had way too many attacking stats and they weren't going to last. I I thought they would, and you know his tackle count. He was having a fair few runs. Uh, Ponga coming back, not that Ponga played a lot of games, but just killed him uh, along with a few other things. But you're on the money there, mate. Hey, Spy, who's your coach's award? Coach of the award, I want to give a couple of shout-outs before I give the main award. But firstly, Jerome Luai was unbelievable for me to start the, start the year and kickstart momentum. I then sold him before things got too bad, which was great. Uh, the other one was Alex Twoll. I bought him in as dual position coverage just before the buy, just to play him when I needed to. I ended up playing him nearly every week out of the last 10, just given the carnage that ensued. Mm. And he averaged nearly 70-odd for the last five weeks when the Tigers needed him most. God bless him. 73 and 74, I think, the last two rounds. No one owned him, and he just kept ticking along for me, the big fella. 
But the Coach's Award undoubtedly mm. in 2021 goes to the great man, Adam Dewey. Dewey, yeah. That was a masterstroke from you, getting him in, him in twice. One of the ones that I regret big time and will think twice about in the future. For me, little Matty Burton. Uh, what a stellar year he had on the back of a, a pretty tremendous Panthers backline there. Uh, very consistent. A few lowish weeks, but also had a few big tons there as well. The 134 against the Roosters in round 21, a real highlight for me. Uh, heavily owned up in through the origin period, but a lot sold off after that. And he finished the year quite strong and was just a really reliable number uh, when numbers got really, really short in the back end of the season. So Matty Burton for me, individual performance of the year. I'll kick us off here, boys. This could go, I mean, you could easily say, you know, Tom Dubrovich 229 or Tom Dubrovich 226 or whatever he got uh, because he got the top scores there. But the thing for me with those scores were everyone owned them. Everyone owned Tommy in those games. I think everyone owned Nathan Cleary for his 225. Everyone captained them except for Desi, of course, that one week. So they're just individually, yes, brilliant. But super coach wise, the one for me. And this will probably be taking a bit of bias for, for each one of our rewards here as well. But Teddy in round 23 against the Dragons, he was only at about 30-odd percent ownership among the top-ranked teams. 182 points. There were no tries. There were no goals in that. Uh, obviously, it was a fair bit of a pod. And the biggest thing about it was in that round, there were no other decent captaincy options. So I think the next most popular captain was Caelan Ponga, who got 43 Cody Walker got 49. So not only did he punch out 182, but to captain him that week, it was a massive jump for me. And just individually, it was outstanding. So Tom, uh, sorry, Teddy for me in round 23. Desi, what do you have? Uh, in the best individual player performance, it has to be Tommy Turbo, final round. Broke the super coach record. You, you, it's simply the best. Everyone Two, had two, him, nine. mate. There was, there was no reward I know. for it. I know, but it's still the single... Best individual player performance, and that's what we're rating here. Boring. So, yeah, it's boring. When did Des get boring to the king. I don't know. I must have missed something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He needs, he needs an off-season to freshen up. He'll be right. No, I need to just keep pumping Turbo up. You ate as we are. You ate the first the first podcast of the twenty two pre twenty twenty two preseason, you'll be saying Charlie Staines will average hundred and fifty and be the top scorer for the year. Oh, I'm not touching Charlie Staines. <laughs> I traded him out round two before anyone else did. <laughs> Spy, what did you come up with for your individual performance of the year? I'm thinking along your lines, Timo. I think one of the great performances was actually Turbo's round 20 versus Cronulla. Uh, he scored 226 in 68 minutes. And I tell you what, any footy fan, if you get bored in the off-season, do it multiple times. Go and turn that match on, round 20 versus Cronulla, and just watch from the 40th to the 68th minute. It is breathtaking. Like, oh my goodness. He just goes to another level. Mm. Um, However, I think the performance of the year outside of that Teddy one was a good shout because I captained him as well. But Nico Hines in round 10 scored 182 against St. George. Uh, it was actually the day Pappenhauser got knocked out 15 minutes in. So Hines only played 65 minutes as well. Um, he was 7% ownership. Far out. Looking at it. And just imagine that. Uh, it was the same week that anyone who captained Cleary for his 225, I think it was, against the Titans. And you had Hines. Imagine how well he began that week. So I think Nico Hines' performance of the year. Uh, just coming off the bench, I think it was that day, and scoring 182. Insane. 
Yeah, no, fantastic call there, mate. And guys and girls, that is a wrap-up for the 2021 NRL Supercoach season. Just want to say a massive thank you to all the SC Playbook audience followers out there uh, for your support this season and over the last two seasons since we've kicked into gear. Uh, Really do appreciate it and all the kind feedback that we do get and all the constructive stuff as well. Uh, I say it time and time again, but the Supercoach community absolutely rocks. Uh, Very lucky to be a part of it, and I know the rest of the contributors feel the same way about that because it's a great community. There's very little vitriol or any of that sort of stuff out there. It's all positive, and I think it's something that we need a lot more of, especially during these sort of tough times for a few of us. So uh, thank you very much for all your support. We'll be back for the BBL Supercoach season, uh, end of October, early November sort of thing, leading into the new Big Bash season with a stack of content there. Uh, do us a favour, jump onto the forum on the site, and let's get the discussion going there, all the pre-season there. We've got the, the predicted prices for those for the players of each team on the forums, so let's get chatting and get excited for the Big Bash season. We've also got a few big announcements to come later in the year, which will excite you very, very much. Uh, we also have a survey on our website. If you have five minutes spare to jump in and answer that, it'll allow us to sort of make a few improvements to the site, the podcast, etc., etc., going into 2022. So that'll be much appreciated if you do have the time. But otherwise, guys, stay safe during a pretty tough time. Good luck in the Big Bash season if you do it. If you're doing that, otherwise. We'll be be back again for 2022 NRL season. Desi, thank you very much for a very big year. Yep, pleasure, boys. Uh, congrats on the on the rank against by, and thanks for hosting the the podcast, Timmy. You did an exceptional job. So credit to you. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, mate. Spy, thank you, and uh, to reiterate that, congrats on the big rank. Thanks, mate. And yeah, I want to say a massive thank you, uh, firstly to you, Timo, for all your hard work. You've done an excellent job as usual. Desi for being the entertainer that you are, Walsh as well when he gets on, and the other boys. Uh, and just everyone, it's been an outstanding season, really good fun. Looking forward to the cricket as well, looking forward to the NRL finals, footy next year. The sport never ends, how good. And I'm going to sign off just because I have to do it. I'm going to fi- one final award. I couldn't not mention him. To cap the year, the Bounce Back of the Year Award, Geordie Rapana. My boy's back. Yeah. That's all. Have a good one. <laughs> We nearly went through a whole award ceremony without a Georgia Rapana mention from the spy. Very nice, mate, and well said. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your year.